Welcome into another edition of the Wisports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at Wisports.net, and your host each and every week for the WSN podcast. When we do the WSN podcast, it's been a couple weeks since we uh, since we did one here. There wasn't a ton going on for a while, but there's been a lot that has come out in the last week to to week and a half, and especially a lot that happened yesterday in uh, in the realm of high school sports, and specifically as it re- uh, applies to return to play, as we're getting closer and closer to the July contact period and ultimately fall sports that begin in early August, we're starting to get a snapshot of what that could look like. We're starting to inch closer and closer to uh, getting back to uh, to playing. And it has, uh, it's, it's a big step in the right direction. I said last, uh, last week or, or whenever it was um, that the... Uh, summer coach contact return to play guidelines that the WI had announced was the the biggest step forward for playing high school sports that we have had since things were shut down on March 13th. It, it is the the biggest step forward um, that was, and we've gotten some more information since then that has really uh, moved things forward as well. So I uh, thought it would be a good chance to kind of break it all down and provide some more context, also some uh, some updates on what happened at yesterday's board of control meeting, and just kind of regroup and, and see where we're at right now as we work to get back to high school sports. Um, if we start with the summer coach contact guidelines that were put out by the WIAA, June 18th, which would have been last Friday, that information came out. Uh, something that we had anticipated for a while. We thought we would get it a little bit earlier in the month, um, but uh, ultimately it did come out. And it was a, uh, a collaborative effort by the WIAA working with the governor's office, the Department of Public Instruction, and uh, importantly, the Department of Health Services. Uh, all collaborated on this. Uh, return to play guidance, and as of right now, it is for that summer coach contact period that is, uh, as of right now, scheduled to begin on July 1st um, to allow a resumption of athletic activities. Um, some places have gotten going already. Uh, not, you know, the official su- uh, coach contact through the school, the the uh, unrestricted coach contact, or excuse me, restricted coach contact. Um, but you know the the youth sports, the club sports, uh, you know, outside of the traditional school realm, have gotten going. And as I've mentioned several times here in Reedsburg, our youth baseball program is going, uh, playing in town. Um, everything has gone well, no hiccups, no issues, and uh, certainly guidelines in place that mirror some of the things that uh, the WIA has talked about, but. You know, there's places moving forward. There's tournaments that have happened. There's club uh, tournaments that have happened. Um, things are starting to get underway. And so now we're waiting for that official WIAA period that will begin on July 1st. You know, it was it was interesting as you read through some of those return to play guidelines for that summer period. Many of them did, em, uh, did emulate what had come out from the NFHS, uh, their recommended guidelines, um, 
you know, one of the, the things that they talked about in there was the, the, the risk level. And there was some confusion there because they, they kind of talk about risk levels in two different contexts. First of all is the risk level in your area, oftentimes deemed as your county. You know, what risk level or, or threat level is your county at? And um, depending on that risk level, there are different guidelines that they have. So, for instance, if you're at a high risk level where your county, your municipality is uh, not allowing more than 10 people at a gathering, then they have some different guidelines there. You know, you can't have more than 10 kids working out. And, and that caused some confusion because later on in the document, they talk about risk level of certain sports where high risk sports that would be uh, involve close sustained contact between participants and, and you know, a, a lack of physical barriers and, um, you know, the, the probability, high probability that respiratory particles will be transmitted between participants. They designate those as wrestling, football, lacrosse, rugby, cheer and dance, moderate sports that would have, you know, some, some high levels of sustained contact, basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball, soccer, gymnastics, hockey, seven-on-seven football, and then lower-risk sports that would be, you know, often the individual-type sports, golf, individual running events, uh, throwing events, swimming, individual swimming, cross-country, those kinds of things. So there was some confusion on what those different risk levels mean, And, and some people thought that you know, football being a high-risk category, that, that meant that you could not have more than 10 people participating at a time, and, and that wasn't the case. So it, I can see where it was confusing, but the, the, the risk levels involving, you know, what can be done in the workouts, that is what is deemed your risk level by your local health organization, uh, again, oftentimes at the county level. The long and short of this return to play guidance that the WI put out last week is here's some guidelines that you can look at, but ultimately it is up to your local school to decide if and how you want to return. And ultimately it is up to your local health department to determine if and how you can return uh, with the understanding that everybody's not going to be in the same boat. There are different areas that um, will view things differently that have different uh, you know, levels of, of infection. Um, you know, Milwaukee County is very different than Richland County. Dane County is very different than Richland County. Richland County, where my hometown is, is at Richland Center, I believe they've had one new case in, in over a month. Whereas obviously in Milwaukee County, Dane County, Brown County, um, La Crosse County is picking up. You know, there's some places where it, it is uh, a different story, obviously. So, Again, the long and short of that return to play guidance is it's, it's up to your local, it's a local decision for your school, for your local health department. And this guidance is going to be, um, it's going to provide the foundation for what we can expect for the fall return to play. As of right now, this is guidance for summer activities, that July contact period. But again, this will form the basis for what we can expect in the fall. Um, there will be a few tweaks here and there. They, they expect to have some sport-specific guidance as well that will be out. 
Um, but this gives a, a baseline and in, in it's, uh, again, a collaborative effort with DHS and DPI. Um, in, in it was well done enough that, uh, the WI has indicated that this is what the state of Wisconsin, the DHS, is going to utilize for the basis of guidelines for return to play for youth sports uh, that, that they're going to recommend uh, for, uh, for getting back to youth sports. But again, youth sports are already going, so in some ways the cat's out of the bag there. Um, so that was, a, again, a big step forward that we got late last week. Um, fast forward to this week. And Wednesday, yesterday, was a huge, huge day uh, for return-to-play type uh, situations. Um, first of all, there was a uh, Wisconsin Assembly uh, Committee on Education hearing that was attended by seven or eight different groups that, that had a chance to, to talk, provide information, answer questions uh, from that Legislative Assembly Committee. DPI was there, and the Rural School Alliance, uh, a private school group, uh, and, and the WIA got a chance during that as well. Dave Anderson, the executive director, Wade Lebecki, Dr. Wade Lebecki, the deputy director, were there um, to present and, and provide information and answer questions. And in watching that uh, assembly committee, um, you know, it, it seemed the, the lawmakers were pretty favorable. They were pretty open. They were pretty... Uh, you know, understanding of uh, of the importance of trying to get back to high school sports and, and doing it in a safe manner. Um, many, uh, several of the people on that committee indicated they have children that have played or play currently. Um, Racine's Robert Whitkey, Delafield's Cindy Duco, and Milton's Don Vruwink um, all mentioned that they've had kids in high school either now or in the last few years, and. Uh, certainly, names that that I recognize from uh, from their kids that have played, and so you know they were they were amenable to uh, you know what the WI was saying and, and why they were there and why uh, again high school sports is an important part of all of this return to uh, schooling and return to education why why the the sports part has to you know be included in that conversation. Uh, some interesting things that. That kind of came out of that. Number one, uh, Dave Anderson talking about those summer coach contact guidelines, emphasized that they were guidelines, that they were things that schools should consider, but they were not, as he termed it, clenched fist requirements. So, you know, if if uh, if your school, uh, you know, feels that you're in a, a situation where you can, um, you know, do things safely, you know, go for it. Uh, essentially, um, again, that that these are guidelines, these are recommendations, but they are not necessarily requirements. Now, obviously, the the uh, rules regarding summer contact, coach contact, in terms of uh, you know limitations on how often it can be done, what can be used, all that stuff, all those regular WIAA rules stay in place during this July contact period. Um, it was very interesting to hear testimony also from Dr. Tim McGoin from UW Health, uh, who has uh, been working on a study uh, involving how the shutdown and the sports shutdown has impacted high school athletes, high school student athletes. He, uh, I, I've seen some of the preliminary information before. This was the first time that, that anything was made public to my knowledge, um, but it, 
you know, it, it's very striking data as you look at it and, and hear from Dr. McGuine. Uh, he, he surveyed uh, over 3,000 student athletes representing 71 of the 72 counties in the state of Wisconsin. In his, uh, in his research, they, they looked at uh, th this current survey compared to things that they've done, baseline information that they've collected in the past and some of their survey information, uh, that they've done a lot of research on concussions. And so they had a lot of baseline information to work from. Uh, according to Dr. McGoin's uh, uh, research study, two-thirds of the student-athletes surveyed reported mental health, uh, anxiety, depression issues that would normally require treatment or attention, which is significantly higher than the baseline number. I, he didn't mention the baseline number in yesterday's testimony. I've seen, uh, again, some of that preliminary information, but it's, it's uh, remarkably higher and speaks to just how uh, how impactful this has been for the student athletes as they try to deal with everything that's going on and the, uh, the toll that it's taking on their mental health. Um, he indicated that uh, activity levels are 50% lower than normal and, and the lowest that they've, they've ever recorded. Quality of life scores lower than they've ever uh, recorded or detected in, uh, in any of their work as well. Um, so uh, some preliminary data that we got from that uh, st uh, study by Dr. McGuine that, it, that uh, we expect and we hope uh, that we'll have that full information out soon. Um, and, and that information, I think, was very impactful to some of the lawmakers that were uh, part of that committee. And, uh, you know, just talks about how, um, how significant things have been and how important it is to try to get back safely. Um, one of the big things that was talked about as well uh, by the WIA staff, as well as a, a trio of athletic directors that were there as part of that conversation, uh, Todd Sabrilski from Waukesha South, um, Nathan Delaney from Marshfield, and uh, Jeremy Schlitz from uh, Madison were all there to uh, provide information and answer questions as well. They, uh, they, along with the WIA staff, talked about how one of the big concerns, not just in sports coming back, but in, um, in schools getting back, is that the, there's going to be a need for the legislature, for the governor, for the, the government to provide some form of, of limited liability for the schools, for the coaches, for the conferences, associations, everything else. Um, because it would it, it will be very difficult if they do not have that support. If uh, you know if if they try to launch school or, or sports back and somebody gets sick and sues, you know that that puts um, organizations that are already in a very fragile economic situation and budgetary situation, uh, you know it, it could have major major uh, implications on on things. So you know. That was when when the lawmakers are, are were talking about you know what what can we do and and everything that was a huge thing that the a uh, the ads and the wi talked about was uh, providing some kind of um, you know immunity or, or liability waivers if you will to uh, to allow things to to get back to opening up um, and that's a huge concern right now for a lot of school districts you know they're. They're obviously worried about the safety aspect of it. That's the the primary part of it, but 
even if they they feel like they're in a good situation to be able to get back, whether it's school or sports, there's hesitancy because of that liability issue and what that could mean uh, for them if, again, if something happens. Uh, transportation was something that was talked about as part of that as well. You know, there's the the Department of Public Instruction came out earlier this this week with guidelines for reopening schools, an 87-page document, and they talked about transportation in there and, and trying to limit and reduce, uh, you know, crowding on buses and things like that. And that's hard to do for a sports team, as uh, one of the athletic directors, maybe uh, Todd Sabrilski, talked about, you know, if you have uh, 70 kids that you would normally put on a bus and it's a 70-passenger bus, well, that might only mean 30 seats. So now if you're going to go one person to a seat, you just tripled your uh, transportation costs. And, and how how can that work? How can that function? So don't know the answers. I, I don't, they didn't necessarily talk about a lot of answers yesterday for those kinds of issues, but those are the kinds of things that schools are dealing with as they consider how to return. Officials were also brought up. One of the, uh, the lawmakers, I think it was uh, Don Vruink from uh, Milton, said he's a WI licensed official. You know, he's, uh, he mentioned that he's going to be scaling back what he does um, on, on some of his things and, you know, talk to the athletic directors about what their concerns are. And, and uh, certainly that, that's something that we've talked about before. Mark Miller did a great article on it. Uh, and that's a, a concern going forward. Jeremy Schlitz mentioned a, a survey from one of the, uh, the officials' associations about, you know, who's going to be coming back. And, you know, there was 20, 30 percent that said they'd, they'd be hesitant to come back. Now, you know, you don't know, I guess, until things start to return and you start to see who will be there and who won't be, who can't, you know, who says that they're not going to be able to fulfill a contract. But uh, that's a a piece of the puzzle as well is, is trying to find officials that will be able to work the events that, that will be coming back because many of the officials are um, at an older age and a more vulnerable uh, you know, age, age group. Um, so that's something that still is going to require a lot of attention, obviously. So some very interesting things that came out of that assembly meeting. Um, again, I think the lawmakers were, were very uh, favorable to sports being part of all of the the return to schooling conversation, and uh, you know hopefully they'll they'll provide that support to the schools uh, to encourage them to open up first of all because if we don't have high school uh, high schools open we can't have high school sports so hopefully they can all find ways to mer- make that work first of all and then provide the support and encouragement to uh, allow um, sports to open as well. So Dave Anderson, Wade Lebecki, they they uh, hightailed it out of that meeting quickly to get back to Stevens Point for the board of control meeting that was uh, uh, conducted on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, an interesting board meeting with uh, some sport-specific uh, recommendations, some tournament changes that uh, that are going to be uh, that were voted on. Um, and, and also some interesting things that came out, you know, just talking about all of all of this return to play, talking about, you know, the budgetary challenges that the WIA has. But let's start with the uh, the, the sport specific ones. Um, there's always a grid of 
you know, here's the things that are on the agenda and, and they go through and vote on all of them. Uh, all of the gymnastics measures, uh, measures passed. Um, I, I don't know that any of them were too significant. Um, hockey was, uh, was one with a couple of interesting ones on the ballot. First of all, they did unanimous, unanimously approve making permanent the two-division structure in boys' hockey. Initially, that had been a two-year experiment uh, in, in that sport, and it uh, is now a permanent change. Now, also as part of that, the coaches had proposed equally dividing schools between Division One and Division Two, a 50-50 split, uh, whereas previously it had been uh, an unequal split, uh, where I think it was the largest 50... Um, Roughly 50 to 55 were in Division One, and the smallest 32 were in Division II. Uh, the, the rationale for that was that they wanted to keep the, uh, you know, the, the small in individual non-co-op schools in, in one grouping so that they could uh, have a better chance to compete as opposed to some of the, um, you know, the real large schools or the real large co-ops um, where, you know, it, it can uh, it can be a challenge. Uh, you know, a, a school like, let's say, uh, Eagle River or uh, Lakeland or some of these other standalone programs competing against the real big schools. So there was a proposal to change that to a 50-50 split that failed unanimously. Um, the, uh, the coach seeding for all eight coaches to seed, both divisions passed. Uh, and then the uh, a four-member officiating crew at the uh, state meet and sectional final, that failed. Um, and then a, a little bit of a change to the overtime period did pass. Wrestling was where there was a real significant amount of conversation um, involving girls wrestling and uh, instituting a girls wrestling individual single class championship. The coach's proposal was for that to start this year in the 2020-21 season. Um, I, I, I think the, the, the recommendation was that that girls' state tournament would be part of the team wrestling event held at the Fieldhouse. Um, girls would enter the regional tournament as part of their boys' team, um, and then from there they would qualify for the state meet. They would not be involved in the sectional individual sectionals, from there, um, and there was a lot of discussion. Uh, everybody that that was talking about this were supportive of trying to grow the uh, girls' participation in wrestling, but there was a lot of talk about how instead of um, adding essentially a a girls' division to wrestling, whether it would be better to create a new sport of girls' wrestling. The problem, though, is if you create a new sport, according to WIA bylaws, um, you have to have at least 5% of the schools offering a team, not just a, you know having a wrestler, but having an actual team uh, for that sport to uh, be launched. And then before there could be a championship, you would have to have 10% of the schools offering that sport. Um, again, at the team level, not just a, you know, hey, we've got a, a girl wrestler at this school. And uh, a lot of discussion about what was the best way to, to grow the sport. And, you know, there was some, uh, some on the, the staff and on the board of control that felt that trying to launch a, 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 
new sport at the, of a girls team sport was the better way to go. The problem was that that's probably a three to five year process to get enough teams put together, even if they co-op to, uh, to, to get that to the numbers that you would need to launch it as a new sport. Um, you know, the, the rationale for adding a girls championship from the coaches and from the proponents is that it's inequitable from a competitive standpoint for the girls to wrestle against the boys. Um, and so the thought was, okay, well, let's create a new sport where it's just all girls, you know, girls wrestling against girls all the time in the regular season, the postseason, all the way through. Uh, because the, the proposal was essentially to have girls wrestle against boys all throughout the regular season, wrestle against boys at regionals, and then the only time it's it's a, uh, you know, a, a girls tournament, only girls participating would be at the state level. So, you know, the there was a couple mentions or comments of well if it's if it's inequitable to have the girls wrestle against the boys why why is this proposal or why are we still having them wrestle against the boys except for a state tournament um there was also a lot of talk about the the timing um you know is it the right time to launch a new sport a new tournament a new division whatever in a season that could be impacted wrestling is probably the highest um, risk sport you can get. I mean, you are, there's, there's no way about it. You are in constant, constant contact with another person. Um, and so is there going to be a wrestling season this year anyway? And and should, should we, you know, be doing something like this when there's a, a season in doubt? So ultimately they did amend the proposal to uh, institute the girls' individual championship in 2021-2022. So they pushed it back a year. And they also talked about, um, and I, I have to clarify with uh, the WIA because they, they went back and forth a few different times. So the initial proposal from the coaches was that girls would wrestle with their team at the regional level. They could score points for their team at the regional level. And then they would not wrestle in sectional team sectionals, I don't believe, would not wrestle in team state, um, or, or maybe they still could. I guess I, I still, again, have to clarify. But essentially, they would um, you know, move on to their, their own girls' state tournament. Uh, there was talk of, and I, I, th- I think what they decided on is that girls could wrestle at the, uh, the, the regional level, but their points would not apply towards the team. So if, if a team was relying on girls to fill weights, then, you know, that became a, an advantage, if you will, as opposed to a team that did not have girls because then they, they weren't going to proceed on necessarily. So still some clarification that we need to get from that, how, how the team component will be impacted by the, uh, the addition of girls wrestling. But again, for, for this coming year, the 2021 uh, championships, there will be no changes. It will not change until the 2022 championships. Uh, and they, they did talk about how they hope that this is the springboard that will encourage participation at the girls' level so that within the next few years, they can look at adding girls' wrestling as a uh, new sport with girls' wrestling against other girls in the regular season, postseason, everything like that. Uh, gets us on to basketball. Uh, the the big no uh, big uh, part of interest there 
was a, uh, a recommendation from the coaches to use computerized or automated seating for the tournament series in boys and girls basketball. Um, no later than the 2022 state tournament uh, in, in playoffs, excuse me. Uh, this would apply just to the regional or sectional seating, depending on how your groups are bracketed. It would not apply towards the coach seating of the state tournament itself. So I thought there'd be a little bit more conversation about this. Um, they, they talked about it a little bit, some of the challenges that it poses in terms of, you know, you, you have to collect data for every school now and, and you have to have all of the schedules in and, and results in to be able to do all of this. The challenges that that entails, building that out, um, managing it, manning it, you know, making sure that all that information is incorrect and accurate. Um, we can certainly attest to how challenging that can be. Uh, the WI has done it only for football in the past. The only sport that they've ever collected regular season results for and schedules is football. And obviously football is a lot easier to do. It's nine games all on a Friday night, as opposed to now 24 games for basketball, games every night of the week, um, a lot more teams. You have twice, uh, more than twice the number of teams because you have boys and girls, so it's going to be a challenge, but one that um, they're going to have to undertake because the the uh, the measure did pass unanimously. So it, right now, it is just a concept of computerized seating or automated seating. There is no formula developed yet. The WBCA is uh, has been working on initial uh, components of a formula to see. You know, what's going to go into that? What factors are going to go into it? What weight are you going to lend to those factors? Um, all those things, similar to what the uh, what went with uh, football. Uh, the football auto seating will be in place this year. It was a, a lengthy process. In full disclosure, I was involved with the football seating process, um, making that happen, figuring out the um, the factors, the weighting, etc. as part of that ad hoc, ad hoc committee. And I will also be involved and have been involved with the uh, committee for the WBCA that will be working on um, the basketball formula, what things are going to go into it, how it's going to be weighted, et cetera. So uh, some, you know, some discrepancy on whether that can happen this year or whether it might have to be next year. So that's why the, uh, the, the language of this says no later than the 2022 postseason. The hope is to get it ready for this year understanding that there's a lot of work to be done to make that happen. So uh, we'll see where that goes, and we'll certainly keep some, uh, some updates on that. Um, an interesting note, uh, a couple other interesting notes kind of off the field type things. First of all, they did, um, they did approve some changes to their bylaws because currently you could not, spectators could not wear face coverings uh, at events. Um, so they had to amend that to allow for PPE-style face coverings um, with everything that's going on. They did also uh, make an, a, an amendment, an extension to the unrestricted summer contact period, which usually would end for football this year. I think it was June, uh, July 25th or 26th, something like that. However, there are some areas of the state where their local governments are not allowing them to uh, to form to you know there's limitations on gathering sizes uh, because of uh, restrictions 
that are set to expire in late July. So there were some areas that, that perhaps could not have gotten in those contact days. Um, so they extended the, the, the contact day period essentially right up to the start of the high school football season. So uh, just a, a chance to allow those coaches to, to get together with their teams and do some of that coach contact with the hope that you know, it, it can help with the acclimatization process. That's, that's a, a big concern for a lot of people at the, the coaching level, the, the medical level, the WIA level. As we go back to high school sports, these high school kids, many of them have not had much physical activity for three, four, almost five months, uh, and that's if they were involved in a, uh, a winter sport. Now, some of them you know, were, were lifting weights if they weren't involved in a winter sport, and some of them have been able to do that. But uh, you know, with weight rooms closed and, and no sports at the spring level, uh, you know, that's a concern, uh, getting kids back in shape so that uh, they can handle the rigors of an athletic season, especially one that's going to be kicking off in you know, that, that hot summertime. Uh, get their strength levels up, get their uh, aerobic levels up, get their, uh, you know, their, their body used to physical activity again. So that was uh, a way to help with that, was exp- extending that unrestricted summer contact period. They did also approve uh, some some waivers of uh, academic eligibility. The details of that, the actual guidance going to be provided to the schools. Um, you know, obviously uncertain times right now. Excuse me, right now, and uh, just trying to allow kids to get back to sport without putting too many restrictions on them. Um, there was a. Uh, a a constitutional item that will be proposed that was kind of of interest regarding game control and sportsmanship. You know, if you're a high school athlete right now and you get ejected from a game, you've got to sit out the next game as well. If you're a spectator that gets ejected from a game, come back in the next day. And so they uh, they ha- are going to have a, a constitutional item that would require that any spectators ejected or removed from a game um, would have to miss the next competitive game uh, or event in that same sport. Uh, it would something they there would have to be a report submitted to the WIAA to the uh, the next opponent um, to kind of bring that in line. Now there was some some comments on fa- on uh, Twitter yesterday that I certainly understand where they're coming from. There's no there's nothing like that for coaches right now. So if if you're a coach that gets ejected from a game, you're back the next day. But if, you know, if the expectation that if an athlete gets ejected, they're suspended for a game, now potentially a fan gets ejected and they're suspended from a game, why not the coach as well? So that could be something that, you know, will be, um, be discussed further. So, again, a, a lot going on in the last few days, in the last week or so at the, the WIAA level, the return to play level, um, that we wanted to talk about kind of flesh out some of those uh, those ideas and some of those things that passed a little bit. Um, so we're moving in the right direction. You know, there's there are some people, some fans and, and folks that contact me, but also people at the school level that are, are saying, you know, we, we want more from the WIAA. We want, uh, I think there's some people that want the WIAA to say sports are back, but the WIA can't compel schools to participate in sports. You know, if if, uh, if the WIA says we can return to sports, 
That doesn't mean that every school is going to. In fact, I, I, I fully expect that there will be some schools that do not return to sport, even if things do open up in the fall. Because of their local health board, because of their, their school board or superintendent deciding not to, whatever it might be, it's going to create some very interesting dynamics because the WIAA um, uh, re-emphasized, so far anyway, that if you're someone that wants to, you know, you're, you're at school A and they decide they're not going to play football this fall, but school B next door is going to, if you transfer from school A to school B, because you're, because you can't play football, that's not going to be a situation where you can get a waiver. Now that is something that they might have to discuss and might have to have some more conversations about because this is a very unprecedented time. But it, you know, it, is that something that should be allowed? If you know, if if you're not going to be able to play sports, should that should something be allowed for that transfer potentially? Because you know, if a school if a kid transfers, that's a, a big deal, not just from sports, but from the school itself. All of the, the state aid and all of the monies associated go to that new school. So, you know, what, what's going to happen if that happens? So, uh, so again, there's, there's, there's a, uh, a desire by some for the WIA to do more to say sports are back. But number one, we don't know for sure if sports are back. We don't know when we'll know <laughs> when sports are back other than the first day of practice maybe um, I, I don't know what the timeline is for for the WIA to say yes we're going full speed with fall sports I mean as, right now everything is on there are no changes to fall sports as of right now that's subject to change that could change um, I just don't know what people you know uh, think that that you know, can or should be done because again, it's it's going to be a local decision. It's going to be the school uh, school board, school superintendent, <coughs> excuse me, local health department deciding each individual school whether they're going to play or not. Um, as we get closer to that, and as more information becomes available, as you know that uh, that idea of who's going to be open, who's going to play, and who's not starts to come out, we will be doing some pretty significant tracking and, and, uh, and things around that. Uh, we expect to have a, a, a list and create a list of here's the schools playing, here's the schools not, here's the schools that maybe are, are dropping their two non-conference football games and just playing their seven conference games, or here's, here's what's going to happen with this particular school. We could see situations where a school might offer some fall sports, but not all of them. Because quite honestly, cross-country is a different risk level than football. So I could very easily see a situation where a school says, we're going to do cross country, but we're not going to do football. I, I mean, that, that would be a difficult one to, um, you know, make work in your community, potentially. There would be uh, a lot of people probably against that, and there will be a lot of pushback. I mean, just look at the pushback from School or from uh, school closures, from business shutdowns, from stay at home, from masks, from everything else. So if there are schools that either don't come back to school, that come back to school but don't offer sports, I mean, those are going to create a lot of uh, difficult conversations and a lot of difficult situations in those local communities. And it's we're uh, we're gearing up for a very difficult period when it comes to that. But again, we'll stay on top of it. 
We are eagerly anticipating a safe return to high school sports that will start in July. July will kind of be the, a little bit of the proving ground. Again, sports are back already, so there's already things are already going. Um, but July will be a big step to uh, to prove that things can be done safely, and then you know we're we're looking forward to to gearing up that first week in August with high school football practices. Uh, we will start very soon our. Um, class of 2021 football player rankings, expanding on those. We did a initial top 50 back in uh, uh, February, but we'll get into our regular player rankings now. We'll do a top 15 at, at each position, a top 50 overall, updated. It's going to be a little more challenging. We don't have as much information from combines, camps, uh, things of that nature, but uh, we're excited to get back. We are eagerly anticipating getting back. We're going to have a lot of information and a lot of coverage of that July period because just like you all, we have uh, a lot of pent-up energy and excitement about getting back to sports. So look for a lot of great stuff coming, not only on you know, the football side and, and getting ready for fall football, but also uh, you know, any, any basketball events, any baseball, softball things that are going on in July as well. Uh, Norbert Durst, Mark Miller, Colt Wilson. Uh, we're working on plans to uh, to get things geared up and ready to go. So that'll do it for this uh, this edition of the WSN podcast. I am Travis Wilson, the general manager at WISSports.net. When sports do return, we'll see you at a game. <laughs>